The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, everybody, it is free Friday early. Uh, we give you this one free, but you should donate and become a patron uh, because it's awesome. And we get great guests. Uh, we have one of my favorites. I've never actually talked to her in person before, but I talk to her on Twitter all the time, and you know her. She's Kat Terrell. She used to be a Saints beat reporter, but the great Saints beat reporters, they leave us and go on to bigger and better things. Now she is the... ESPN Cincinnati Bengal reporter slash blogger. Cad, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. It, it's been a while. <laughs> it has. Well, they only play the Bengals every four years, right? So we, we, we have to get you more. Maybe the Saints, they can meet in the Super Bowl and we can have you more. But before we get to <laughs> Saints Bengals, I got to talk to you because people, you can Google it. And I'm not just saying that because she's on the podcast. I would say this either way. Cad did the feature on Junior Gallette and all his turmoil and chaos with the Saints. It's a long time ago, but it, but you can find it on the internet. It's it's a great one of the great Saints pieces in the last decade, I think. And Cat, he had a really sad tweet. When I read it, I thought of like all by myself playing in the background. <laughs> did you see his sad tweet? And what did you what do you think of the Junior Gallette? Oh my gosh. Where he is now. I did see the sad tweet. I think Junior just wants a job. To be completely honest. Um, but I don't. It's funny. He's such a polarizing person. Before all that craziness happened, he was one of my favorite people to talk to in the locker room. I, all the writers. He was just so. I I don't know. He worked really hard to get where he was, and he seemed like he appreciated it so much. And then you know he signed the big contract, and he kind of went a little crazy. So um, it is funny. He, he it's just funny and kind of absurd to think he could ever be back in New Orleans. But I'm sure he wants a job. <laughs> Yeah, you've been I mean, covering football for a long time. Like, can, can you think of anyone, any other athlete that has just, I mean, it's the cliche, right? You get paid and then you get lazier, you think things change and you just, you're, you're not the same player. But in your experience, I mean, you've been covering sports for a long time. Have you ever seen an example this pronounced where a guy gets paid and then basically just falls off the cliff? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, the one thing I learned about covering sports is that even though we talk to these guys every day, you really don't know them. I think I didn't cover Darren Sharper, but um, that Ooh, taught to me go a there. lot. Ooh. Yeah, sorry. It just it taught me a lot about how people can be deceiving. And it blindsided me when all of that stuff with, with Junior came out. I don't, I don't know if people know this, but I actually started writing that story in January before he got cut. So... It was started in January, and then he got cut in July. So that's when I knew he was going to be cut. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. So they wanted him out so bad. It just it would shock <laughs> me if he was ever back. But, you know, weird things happen. If he's truly changed and humbled, then who knows? But I would be I pretty mean, shocked. They, they 
the Saints basically were like, we want you to leave so bad, Junior. We're just going to pull this, grenade, this pin on this grenade on our salary cap, and it's going to do massive damage for a year, but we don't care. You have to leave. <laughs> $12 million in one year. $12 million in dead money. It's just absurd to me because I cover a team that doesn't even like to have a million dollars in dead money. So the thought of any team saying, please go away, like we will pay you to go away, it's – even now, all these years later, it's still it's such a surreal story. Like yeah, he, like it was, how, it was yeah. literally wor- it was worse having him cut in terms of pure finances alone. It was worse having him cut than having him on the team, and they still cut him. He was, I mean, you've read the story and you know, but he was just dividing the locker room at the time. There are a lot of young guys in that locker room. They're very easily influenced. I think it was just separating the locker room, and he had to go. I. I, I can't remember. I guess they did go seven and nine the year after, but I think things started to turn around. I mean, that locker room was so bad and the defense was so bad. I heard a story once that I don't, maybe it was a Cowboys game. The players were basically just pointing at each other saying like, well, who's going to cover this guy? I'm not going to cover this guy. Who's going to cover him? And <laughs> it sounds like high school stuff. And that was just how crazy things were that year. It's funny to look mm. back now. Uh, it sounds like me, like me and me and my wife, arguing over who's going to dress our son when he's running around the house without clothes and he's putting on a tantrum. You're going to dress him. No, you're going to dress him. Exactly. Um, but the the thing that you brought up about the Bengals, and and I now that you cover them, I'm really interested. Is we, we ha- there's this perception about the Bengals, and Dan Lebetard always jokes, NFL teams, most of them care about winning and making money, except for the Bengals. They only care about making money. So is the perception about the Bengals that eh, they they want to win, but it's not that important to them? Is that perception real? And what's your what's your um what things have changed about the Bengals when now that you cover them on a daily basis that sort of have changed your attitude or, or uh, impressions of them? Um, it's, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. They do spend money. That's, that's a big misconception. They spend money, but they believe very strongly that certain positions should get paid. So they just gave Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap a ton of money. They gave AJ Green top tier wide receiver money. Andy Dalton did a get, didn't get a huge contract. They actually got lucky on that one. But they do pay players. It's just certain positions like guards. They don't think guards should be paid like some teams think guards should be paid. I mean, guards are very important to the Saints, like more so than the tackles. But the tackles are more important in Cincinnati. Um, I wouldn't say they're cheap. I just feel like they see themselves as a very small market team and they feel that they can't go crazy with spending and they don't want to sink their salary cap. And it's so weird to come and cover this team after covering New Orleans where they'll spend whatever needs to be spent to get the player they think would help them. And I think the Bengals probably should have looked at Des Bryant, but they don't really like free agents either. So yeah, but he, they didn't even consider him. But he fits yeah. the he fits the Cincinnati uh, problem child mold, though, doesn't he? You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he does. Maybe they're tired of that because they got rid of most of their problem children except one. So, I mean, Adam Jones is gone. That locker room, that's another misconception. It's actually a very good locker room outside of Vontez Perfect. Uh, Like, really, really good guys. But they've had that perception for so long because they would sign all these problem children. And they made a lot of headlines because of it. And ultimately, I I don't know how much it helped them win, Um, you know. 
Ken, I want a non-football question real quick. Just curious. So you may have to navigate this carefully because I don't want to. I don't want anyone to get mad or you get you in trouble here. But uh, Saints Twitter fans versus Bengals Twitter fans. Like now that you've reported for both teams, uh, I mean, obviously we're still very much immersed in Saints Twitter, and we know how that is. Can you compare the two? Is it any different? Do you feel like it's more of the same, or do you feel like from a fan just? Just interacting with fans, it's a lot different. I actually get asked this a lot, so I have a good answer for it. And this week reminded me of what it was like covering the Saints, and I blame <laughs> Nick for this. All I did was post a stat about how the Saints, the Saints record in cold weather, whatever. It's because someone had reminded me of it that day. And I walk away from the computer, and I come back, and I have 50 mentions. I'm just thinking, what? Like, what could I possibly have said? that I would get 50 <laughs> mentions. And it's because Nick retweeted it and said, you know, half the team's from Ohio. And so I'm just getting all these mentions. Like, I can't believe you would say that. Don't bring this up. And I, I tell this story because Saints fans are very protective of their team and Bengals fans hate their team. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's totally different. Bengals fans really hate their team right now. Uh, they're just sick of, them never changing. They're sick of Marvin Lewis. They're sick of the fact that they don't think that they go out and, you know, get free agents and things like that. So even if I say something positive, it will be followed up with something like, well, it doesn't matter because they're not going to win in the postseason. And if I say something negative about the Saints, then people are very protective of them. And it's kind of like, I get it because in New Orleans, I, they feel like that team was overlooked for so long and that no one ever had nice things to say about them, that they feel protective of it. And I get that, you know, it, it, it goes back to the fact that like Drew Brees was never even considered for MVP. I'm like, that's crazy. Right. Or that Marcus Colston never made a pro bowl. It, it's things like that. And there's some similarities to that in Cincinnati, but they're really just at a point right now where they just really hate everything about their team, but they love them at the same time. So it's just two totally different fan bases right now. And it's so hilarious. If write, if, so if you write an article right now, ripping them to shreds, you're basically, the fans are applauding you. Uh, I think it depends on what I write. The one thing they are very protective of is Vontez perfect. No matter what you say, <laughs> it's, they're very, they feel like he's very, um, targeted and that the NFL is kind of out to get him. And I would say to that, that he put himself in that position, but they definitely are pretty protective of him. But the tide's kind of turning on that a little bit because he hasn't played well. And when you don't play well and you get paid a lot of money and you're always hurt, doesn't matter who you are, you're going to start losing your fan base. Well, that's in, you know, you, it's interesting. You mentioned about the, the fans, um, being negative and kind of want to change, you know, uh, as far as like Twitter, I can't even imagine because you have, you know, 10 or how many times followers I have my phone at my regular job after my morning thing, it like vibrated off my desk. I had so many like emails from people like hated my, that hated my live shot. I was like, what is this? So I can't imagine having like 20,000 Twitter followers and you walk away and you're, you're, you come back and it's just a, a sea of like awfulness <laughs> mentions and, and DMs. But the crowd sizes for Cincinnati, like I was thinking for five and three, it's kind of light, but I think maybe you just explained it to us. Like the fans are angry. Am I, am I, missing that yeah am i looking at the games wrong i see a lot of empty seats no i mean it was there was only 40 some odd thousand people there wow uh, against the bucks and they were 
part of the reason is they're trying to send a message, but also like the team had just come off this beating against Kansas City. And again, in prime time, they never play well in prime time. And to the fans' minds, it's just, all right, this team is exactly the same like any other team. They can't beat the Steelers. They can't win in prime time. Why are we going to go watch this team? Like, why are we going to get our hopes up? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, I think, this is, I think this team has a lot of potential. It just has a lot of injuries. And, you know, if they can get healthy, I think they and fix their defense. They could make a, a run in the playoffs. But it's kind of a I'll believe it when I see it thing. And, and I get that. The last time they won a playoff game, I was one. So Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, Kat, let's talk yeah. X's and O's for a second. So I- I'm going to tell you kind of why I'm confident about this game and based on what I know about the Saints and Bengals. And then I'd love for you you to tell me I'm crazy or something I'm not thinking about, which would suggest maybe that this game will be closer or whatever. But the way I see it, first of all, the Bengals defensively are really struggling right now. They're 32nd in pass defense. So I just view that as an easy matchup for the Saints that they'll be able to exploit. On the other side, I know the Bengals run the ball pretty well when they try to do it, um, but that's what the Saints kind of do best is is run defense on, on that side of the ball. So I feel like that's a pretty good matchup, and I would say normally Dalton, there's a lot of plays to be made for Dalton in his passing game, but with A.J. Green out, I feel like the Saints can put Lattimore on Tyler Boyd and kind of neutralize him. And so this really comes down to – can John Ross, who hasn't really done anything all season, can he beat Eli Apple, can Crawley and those guys? Um, and I, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about that. Do you, do you think I'm missing anything there? No, I, I'd agree. I just think right now they have so many injuries still. Two of their linebackers are out, uh, Nick Vigil and Vontez Perfect, and their linebackers haven't played well in general. They haven't been able to stop the run. So that's one bad matchup there. And then not having A.J. Green, it's really tough because the offense is centered around him. Boyd has really had a great season, but when Boyd is your only standout, then they're just going to roll coverage his way and basically say, all right, the other receivers have to beat us. And they haven't done anything. Ross has been hurt, but he's kind of been inconsistent when he's on the field. And the other receivers have combined for like something like 10 catches for 50 yards or something bad. Um, it's a if they get Giovanni Bernard back, that'll be huge because he's big in the passing game too. And if they can run the ball well, then maybe they have a chance. You know, really, I, I honestly think the only way they really have a good chance in this game is if the Saints have a big letdown from all these big games they've been playing and, and just don't play well, or if they're completely able to contain Michael Thomas. But, I mean, you know how the Saints offense is. Even if you do contain Michael Thomas, Breeze can just <laughs> Breeze will just go to some – guy no one's ever heard of Uh, so they have a big game next week too against the Ravens and they really need to win that one so that one's kind of more important than this one I mean not that I'm saying they're not they're overlooking it they're not but just in my mind having covered both teams and knowing a lot about both teams it's just not a good matchup for the Bengals just based on what they look like right now well, I was going to joke, I was going to say, Kat, I feel like your Twitter feed, it's fantastic, but I feel like every third tweet that you do, you're describing whether or not a bangle is wearing a boot. Uh, <laughs> this team has, I mean, this, it's massive injuries, and it's not just defense, it's offensive line, it's everywhere. 
Yeah, uh, wow. A lot of guys have had foot injuries, I guess. Nick Vigil, no, that's a knee injury. But he wasn't, he was in a brace or something. Uh, Billy Price had a foot injury. Tyler Croft, Tyler Eifert broke his ankle. Um, I could just go down the list. Yeah, they are very, very banged up. And have, not having Vigil definitely hurts. And then they don't have their slot corner. So they really only have two good cornerbacks. And Drake Kirkpatrick is also dealing with an injury. I mean, he's playing through it. But not having Darquez Denard hurts a lot. Just really, ever since the Steelers game, they just, it always happens to them. They play the Steelers, and there's just so many injuries because it's such a physical game, and it takes them a while to recover from it. But yeah, I mean, since that game, they just, it's kind of been, I call, I joke and say it's the first aid squad. Uh, that's kind of what they look like right now, but they're, they're slowly getting healthier. It's just going to take a while. Kat, is there a player on this team we're not talking about that no Saints fan is thinking of or has heard of that? Uh, is it is an X factor or, or someone to watch in this game for the Bengals? Well, I mean, you already know about John Ross. I really think he could be the game changer there if he has a big game. Cody Core, Josh Malone have, haven't done much. Auden Tate is the guy all the fans want to see. He's their seventh-round pick, had a really great training camp, then ended up on the practice squad, and now he's promoted because Green is down. So fans want to see him. The thing about Tate is he's not fast at all. But he has a he's a really big bodied guy and could be a good guy in the red zone. I just don't think they want to play him because of the speed factor. So uh it'll be I mean, interesting. This, to this see just that sounds like him. the legend of Adrian Errington all over. <laughs> it, you, there's always that guy that fans love because he had a great preseason and then he goes on to never do anything. Adrian Errington was what, cut and re-signed like twenty seven times or something like that. Andy yeah, sec- sec- yeah, yeah, second only to Andy Tanner. Yeah, I was. That was who I was trying to think of. Andy Tanner. Wow, someone mentioned so, him the other day. So I feel like with these games, you know, like with Saints fans, we watch the team so much that for we can watch them for half a quarter, a quarter, and we can know, oh, they're rolling, or oh, they're this is this could be trouble today. So you watch the Bengals every week, obviously. So in that first quarter, what? to you is a good sign for the Bengals and what would be a bad sign that it's it shows you that oh no we're going to another Kansas City game we're going to another <laughs> blowout a, a good sign would be if the offense is clicking if, if Dalton is able to spread the ball around or if they're able to to get any sort of ground game going <laughs> if they can stop Kamara and Ingram that would be a, a big thing the thing about their defense, which, by the way, is on pace to break the Saints' record for most yards allowed in the season. Please let that happen. Please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other team I covered, so that's great that I'm covering that again, um, has had a Kat, problem. You really are, uh, you are. You are. A, you're a kiss of death for defense. You're like the Grim Reaper of defense. <laughs> um. Yeah. Maybe. No. I was there when I was there during that 2013 season when. The Saints finally won a cold-weather outdoor playoff game. So I can't be that much of a jinx, right? <laughs> right. I covered a lot of 7-9 and nine teams, a lot. It's, I, need to, like, I need to see something else. Either I always say you want to cover a really bad team or a really good team because the 8-8, eight and 7-9 eight, and nine teams, it's just hard to cover because at the end of the season, you just run out of things to write about. How many, how many, um, how many consecutive uh... – Seven and nine, eight and eights have you covered? Let's see. Uh, 2012, I wasn't really on the beat. I was the backup. 
but that was seven and nine season 13. Everyone thought they're going to be great after that. And 14 was seven and nine, 15 was seven and nine. Right. Then I go to the yeah. Bengals six, nine and one last year, seven and nine. <laughs> And uh, oh now we get to this year. <laughs> this year, I'm, I think they're they're gonna have a winning record. So I think the the curse is finally gonna be over. I'm I start to I'm gonna root for Cincinnati after this week just to break you out of seven and nine purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Saints went seven and nine the year I left. I think too. So no matter what, I would have been covering it. Right in 2016, didn't they go seven and nine? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Didn't they do that thing where they lost their first four games and then? One the next four. I think it was the first three that year, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do that a lot. <laughs> so what's your what's your feeling on this game particularly and the Bengals? You, you said you think – let's start with this game. How do you think this game goes Sunday? I think the Saints will win by 10 points probably. That's my prediction. Just because I just don't think the Bengals can stop their offense. I think the Bengals can exploit the Saints secondary for sure, but without AJ Green, it's just so it's it's really hard for me to say what their offense is gonna look like mm-hmm. because he's almost always in the field. The last time they didn't have him was 2016. It was a different offensive coordinator. They were not as good as they weren't as good on offense back then. And they also lost Giovanni Bernard at the same time, I think in the same game. Like AJ went down, and then Giovanni Bernard uh, towards ACL. So it's it's it, two years is a long time. So it's hard to say what they're gonna do now without him. I just I think they could exploit that secondary if they had him, but without him, just hard to say. Um, final final question for Cincinnati in general: If they go make the playoffs, obviously. They may not make any changes, but what's your sense on if they go eight and eight, seven and nine again, the future for Cincinnati and how they're running their team? Well, Marvin Lewis signed a two year contract this year, so I would assume no matter what, he's gonna be back next year unless they win the Super Bowl and he decides to walk away. I really that's kind of what I see happening. I think what the team wanted was to see forward progress with the team you know a lot of eight and eight teams are are very different eight and eight can be good and eight and eight can be bad Mm -hmm. at where this team is now if they win eight and eight it would be disappointing but you would could also see some progress from last year what's disappointing for them is how their defense has totally just gotten worse uh they have a new defensive coordinator this year and they put a lot of money in their defensive line and they've been so bad and that's not what you want to see it shouldn't be happening but it's a very young roster, and there are a lot of positive things about this team. Rookie Jesse Bates has played great. They create a lot of turnovers. There are positive things to look for. But um, to end my rambling, you just want to see the team taking a step forward, and I think that's all the front office wants to see right now. I, don't, I can't see them making any changes, so they weren't going to make a change after last year. Is Andy Dalton's future secure? I think that Dalton has proven himself enough this year that, yes, I, I think so. I think after last year, there were definitely some concerns about it. He has a very team-friendly deal, which helps. But Dalton took a large step back the last two years. But ever since they got Alex Van Pelt, who worked with Aaron Rodgers, and they switched coordinators, he's looked like he looked in 15. 
Because in 2015, Dalton was actually playing very, very well. He doesn't get a lot of credit for that because of the way the season ended. But he's been playing well, and he's had a lot of big moments this year when needed. He drove the team down the field to beat the Falcons. He drove the team down the field to beat the Bucks. So I think he's different, but until they, you know, win the playoffs and win in prime time consistently, people are going to question him. Mm-hmm. All right, final question, and this is just for me, but I like horse racing. I was Buddy Diliberto's last producer, and if you produced for Buddy D, you had to know a little bit about horse racing or learn. And I have turned my two, my three-year-old son, he loves horse racing. He is transfixed by it. Uh, he's probably going to, like, break out of, uh, when he goes to school, break out of school and be at the OTB, and they'll call me to pick him up. Um, but, Kat, I need... 2019, I need a Kentucky Derby to put into my exact box. All right, I'll give you two names. Um, they're both Baffert horses. I'm very intrigued by that Baffert Colt who won the street since on the Breeders' Cup undercard last week. His name is um, – what is his name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's improbable. Sorry, it's improbable. Um I'm intrigued by him. He's two for two. He's very lightly raced, which is probably why he wasn't in a bigger race that day. And then the other Baffert Colt that won the juvenile game winner, he's really good too. Complexity, I don't know what happened to him, but I'm sure he'll bounce back. He was the favorite for the juvenile. So there's a lot of promising two-year-olds, but you know how it goes. Sometimes the best two-year-olds don't end up being good three-year-olds, but... Hey, of course, the Baffert barn seems loaded again right after Justify, who I wish was still racing. All I know is I got improbable and I got complexity and an exact box. The 503 for my kid, it's all going in 2019. It's on you, Kat. <laughs> Don't I wouldn't put too much money in that exact box. <laughs> hey, Kat, I got I got to say Kat, I got to say thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we we miss you very much in New Orleans. You're uh, you were always one of the best. And uh, I know my son, he's 8 years old. He's really starting to get into the Saints and my wife doesn't let him listen to our podcast because Ralph, she, she says Ralph is too inappropriate. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, he, he, he knew that you were coming on today, and I told him that you know, usually when we have special guests, we have to be a little bit more buttoned up. And uh, So I appreciate you for keeping Ralph in line because my yeah. son's excited about listening to this one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad your son can listen to me ramble on <laughs> for 30 minutes. But, yeah, I definitely miss New Orleans. Uh, obviously, Louisiana is home to me. Um, I'm actually there a lot, but it's hard to get back home. Going to a lot of the LSU games, right? (laughs) Hey, there's a reason I was at the Breeders' Cup and not at LSU-Alabama. I was not putting myself through that again. (laughs) I've gone to almost every LSU-Bama game since 2008. Yeah, I think I've missed two. This was a good one to miss. Yeah, I I knew in my heart they were going to lose, and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. So. You made the right, you made the correct choice. Well, Kat, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck to the Bengals the rest of the way. And maybe maybe it'll work out, and we'll see you in the playoffs or Super Bowl or something. But uh, <laughs> we'll see you on Twitter, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, that would be fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kat.
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 